Oh, you want me to start? Yep. No, no, no. We'll let Keegan. Go ahead, Keegan. Yeah, go ahead, Keegan. So I'll just start with this. And so again, so I grew up and because of just like, I guess, who I was before I realized who I was and then like the influence of my dad, um, I loved martial arts films. And so like, I still have like very fond memories of going to see like Super Cop and like a couple of other like films uh, like with Jackie Chan and and like we saw like he took me when I was like 10 to see a special screening of uh, like Enter the Dragon with Bruce Lee and all these things and then like he introduced me to Kira Kurosawa films. I was never big on all those movies now I think about it. But like yeah like I just it was both like the like the impressive feats of it the spectacle of it like knowing like Jackie Chan was like doing all these stunts because at the end of all his movies they would show the outtakes and how he literally broke his body for it and so uh, one movie that has definitely not 100% held up and like I recognize coming from like a place of like privilege and whiteness and all this like it was probably super apparent to a lot of people at the time but like Rush Hour 2 is absolutely fucking awful what? It is. it is bad you don't like it? not like at the beginning of the summer, like we were, we were doing a bunch of rewatches of films that we deemed like comfort movies, just because we had all the free time. And so, did you hear my movie? He said, Jacory. Yeah, he said Rush Hour Two is awful. I was just making sure because I just want to see if he's stunned like I am. I'm not mad at that. Here's the thing. So, <clears throat> of the series, Rush Hour Two is my favorite. Like, I would understand it more if you said Rush Hour One, but Rush Hour Two is like the best. Yeah, Rush Hour 2 is my favorite out of the series. What do you not like about that movie? So, so here's the deal. When I picked the movie, I picked Rush Hour 2 because Rush Hour 2 is my favorite. Fun fact, I actually never saw Rush Hour 3. I liked Rush Hour 1 a lot. I haven't rewatched that. So that's that's my my reason for, for picking 2 is because it's the freshest in my mind. I'm going to be honest, when we did the rewatch, I got like 50 minutes into it, and I just had to be like, all right, I'm going to look up the rest of these fight scenes. Fight <coughs> scenes are still great. Jackie Chan is still great. Still fantastic, still doing his thing, but I was like, I can't watch this. I still but crack up at that movie because it was just like because the second one takes place in it's Hong Kong, right? It's Hong Kong yeah. or yeah, and it just it feels like it's a license. Like they had this interesting dynamic because yeah, like it's it's a buddy cop movie, but instead of being like stereotype of like oh it's two different personality types or like Forty Eight Hours where it's a it's a white or uh, a, a black guy they're like hey we have these two individuals that are not normally represented in these types of films and so but they're also very distinct and very different from one another um and so there's a lot to go off here in terms of like zaniness and and like how different they are but like so much of it is just like rooted in hey like we're in hong kong but all of this is foreign to me <laughs> and now i'm just gonna be like like, I think there were at least two or three jokes about, like, oh, Chinese people eat dogs. Or, like, I'm making some obvious <laughs> comment about that. As, and, I don't even remember that. That's crazy. And it's just, and it doesn't, so here's, like, I recognize it does not come from, like, and again, you know, I'm, I'm saying this from a, a point of privilege, but, like, it's not, there's no malice behind it. It's, it's a product of its time. It's, like, the, the early 2000s and, like, was the type of humor that was going on and like oh it's like hey it's the type of humor where we're like hey we're re we're recognizing these like stereotypes and we know they're kind of bad but we're going to use them for humor anyway 
and all that. And so, like, I could only get through, like, 15 Because this was around, like, 2002. We was in the eighth grade when that came out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Oh, and one thing I also remember is that, like, like, for whatever reason, like, the, 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 the agent comes in, and it's, like, the, the woman, and there's, like, the one scene where they're, like, spying on her, and she's, like, undressing, and, like, Chris (laughs) and, like, Chris Tucker can, he cannot formulate words because it's the stereotype of, like, oh, my God, a woman in a brassiere, (laughs) and it's just, like, that to me was grating because I'm, like, this is just lazy. It's like, oh, we get hey, it. Hey, Keegan, you about to really ruin this movie for me now, bro. I mean, like, how do you think I feel? Like, again, I loved that movie. I loved <laughs> that movie growing up. And and it's, like, it is not only over-the-top corny <laughs> acting or, like, all these things. It's just... Well, like, in now the I, I, Go ahead, my bad. Uh, now that Jacory said it, like, I want to go back and try and rewatch Rush Hour 1. Cause I know I can't do no, nah, I can't do one. Hour one is worse. It wow, is okay. like I tried to watch that this summer actually, and I was just like, "This is this is horrible, yo." Oh, okay. Then I feel like my criticism of two is even more vindicated because yeah. at that point I just need to swear off that series. Another so, another thing in Rush Hour two, at the, I think it's the beginning. It's either two or three, but I I swear, I swear it's two. There's one part where like uh, Chris Tucker's character is chasing somebody up some stairs. And he accidentally bumps into like an old Asian woman, and, oh, and she says, "She said, move out the way, Kobe." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I even was like, "Oh, holy! Like, oh, okay. Like, just uh, she said, get out the way, Kobe. Like, that's, that's actually funny though. But yeah, the the reason I'm not mad at that is because I recently rewatched Rush Hour One and had a lot of the same thoughts. Mm. Like, you realize some of these old stuff we watch, it's hella lazy. Like, they just like Rush Hour was truly built on. Guess what? I'm black and he's Asian and we come from two different worlds. And like they really depended on that a whole lot. And so now that I'm seeing that as we get older, that a lot of the stuff we grew up watching, it was lazy written. Like, are some of those some of the writers that got all the scripts and got all the money and all the praise, were a lot of them pretty lazy? I mean, here's the thing though, a lot of comedy movies made today are still very lazy and bad. A lot of movies made today are very lazy and bad. But comedy movies especially. Which one do you think which one do you think depends more on those on either stereotypes or just the same old routine in every movie? Comedies or action movies? Because I feel like action movies all fall not all, but the bad ones all follow the same thing in every single one. Definitely it's hard I would say comedy, but it's kinda hard to say. Because I mean I think- I think it's, I think I agree. It is difficult to say because the type of comedies we get now aren't like they're it, like from the nineties and even the two thousands, we shifted a lot. Yeah. To where, by the time we get to the mid two thousands onwards, it feel it felt like there was a, at least an attempt to be like, you know, with, with Judd Apatow, he's like, I'm going to make this comedy, but I'm also going to have more serious moments in it. It's not going to be like, a comedy drama, but it's just going to be like, it's going to try, it's going to be a little longer. Normally, comedies are like an hour and a half. You yeah. know, you're in, you're out, there's nothing. But like, my comedies are going to be like two hours or two hours and 10 minutes and and all of that. So it's actual character development now in a lot of those movies. Like, but for, for every movie like that, you have an Adam Sandler movie. 
I honestly tried to shy away from Adam Sandler movies. Me and like, Keegan have this conversation all the time about the last great, no, what was it? the last great Adam Sandler movie? But that was before uh, What's It Called came out last year. Uncut Gems. Oh, yeah, Jim. that was but before yeah, like, Uncut Gems. But even what did you talk about like great um, Adam Sandler movie before that, Will? What'd you say? What do you think is the last great Adam Sandler movie before that? Uh, let me pull up his filmography so I can... I, I want to say, because we did it so often at work, uh, I mean, we were so busy at work, um, but, <laughs> like, I want to say, the, like, from, like, you know, like, Golden Age, you know, Sandler movies, the last great one was, like, probably Big Daddy was the consensus we came to. I f so, before that, I will say that the movie he came out on Netflix with Jennifer Aniston, Murder Mystery, is a very entertaining movie, though. It's not... I it's not a typical Adam Sandler movie that depends on like fart jokes and all the lazy cliches and stuff. It is a good movie. So the last, Before, I think, good Adam Sandler movie is Click. Even though like... I didn't even like that bullshit. You didn't even like Click? <laughs> Neither one of us did. That's why he said Big Daddy. <laughs> if not Click, then I'd say Anger Management. Anger Management was good. And, and see, and like, we, like, because we, we talked about this, we're like, Mr. Deeds... It has some moments. It's okay. But, I, will, I thought about bringing it up today. Uh, I, when I was growing up, I loved Little Nicky. It is by no means I a good love movie. Little Nicky. It, it is by no means a good movie. Um, <laughs> it is by no means a good movie. Um, both, even when it came out, I was like, oh, this movie is stupid, but I can't help like it. Like, you knew, like, growing up, I knew watching Adam Sandler movies how stupid they were, but I didn't care because they were funny. They, he, Adam Sandler said in an interview last year, he was on the, um, Dan Patrick show and, uh, be, during the, uh, Uncut Gems, like, marketing and all of that and stuff. He said, uh, he said, people always thought I was going to get my feelings hurt, like, because I know all my movies got bad ratings. He said, after the first movie I did, I think he said after, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, Billy Madison. He said, I was so excited and I just saw how they shitted on it, but all the fans said they loved it. Like, all the, the critics hated it, but all the fans loved it and I made a lot of money. He said, from that day on, he has never read another, um, another story about him or his movies or anything, because but because look at that run he had from the 90s through the 2000s where all his movies was making a hundred million dollars back then. But still, like, after a while, even his fans started to hate his movies. But now, see, now that's different. Now, early on, yeah. but then that's why Keegan had to go all the way back to Big Daddy. But I will say that Anger Management is a good movie. Anger Management isn't lazy either. No. Anger Management has, like, moments. And honestly, I think that's due for a rewatch. Um, yeah, because also like John C. Riley, I think is like the Buddhist monk. Yeah. Oh yeah, forget. So, and like Jack Nicholson is like still crazy good in that as always. So like, I don't. It's looking back on it, it was close. Like a lot of people didn't like it even when it came out. I remember seeing it, watched it with my dad. We both enjoyed it. Um, but it was so, it was really good though. Yeah, and you right. Yeah. There's a rewatch. Like if like I don't want this to evolve into us doing tier lists, but. That's on, like, the realm of potentially pretty good, but, like, Big Daddy for, like, classic Adam Sandler films. Oh, it's not a, it's not up there with Big Daddy, though. But no, no. let's say if Big Daddy is 10, I would say Anger Management and, like, say Big Daddy gets a rating of 10. I would put Anger Management at a 5.5. 5. 
Like it did its job. I can rewatch it a couple times. It's not bad. It's not great, but I enjoy it. Like I'd give it a C plus. I thought you'd give it a higher grade. Maybe I am being a little tougher. I'll probably give it a B. Cause yeah, like if Big Daddy's an A, you're right. Okay. If Big Daddy's an A, anger management's a B. But I also would oh, and I like the longest the longest you're actually now thinking when I think about it and try to rewatch it. It's not as good as I thought it was when I was 16. <laughs> it's really not that good. So, all right. I don't I don't want us to, like, devolve into, like, our usual right. habits of, like... Doing well, no, work. I mean, I, but it... No, it's fine because it makes good content, and I still remember what we was talking about, and we'll be able to get back to it, though. And I can easily... Then that'll make help me make this a longer episode as well. So, um, you want me to give a movie that didn't age well? Oh, yes. Okay, so um, my first one that didn't age well is Harold and Kumar Escape from Guantanamo Bay. Oh, yeah. I think the first one, I think the first one has, I know there's some shit in that first one that's messed up, but I, I think the first one has aged better, way, way better yeah. than Guantanamo Bay. Well, for me, it's not that, it's not that there's messed up stuff, even though there probably is, but it's like a lot of it is like most Pretty much all the humor in that movie is based on like political conversations that were happening in 2004 and people yeah they still remember it but it just doesn't hit the same when you well, watch Guantanamo Bay came out in, like 06 didn't it 06 yeah because the first one came out in like 2003 or 4 oh, okay and then Guantanamo Bay came out like I, I feel like it was right before I went to college because, yeah, that was, like, it came out at, like, the height of the Guantanamo Bay controversy, like, when it came out that we were torturing people. And um, so it made sense at the time. And, like, oh, all no, the they came out in 08. Wow. Yeah, a lot yeah. <laughs> yeah. 2008. April 2008. Spring semester. All that comedy that, like, hit really well during the Bush era, it just doesn't, you know. Plus, it was, it, I just didn't think it was as good as the first one. It wasn't. Yeah, it just would you say that was a better sequel than the Hangover sequel? Yeah, I only saw part of Hangover 2, I never bothered watching 3. So, what do you say, Keegan? I, Hangover 2 is awful, like it's bad. It's and like, it, like it was kind of like they did a dark comedy, it was, yeah. yeah, it was in the realm of not even like, hey, you like the first one, here's more of the same. It was the exact same movie. Yeah, it, it was just shitty though. Like, like, and a lot of comedies did that. Like, I reckon, like even, even um, like Austin Powers like recognizes that and is like makes meta commentary on like being a sequel and making the same joke. Yeah, but those are still like like semi enjoyable. And your voice kind of sounds like you're kind of back again. <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. I guess I have to be this close and personal. You need a new laptop. Uh, well, I'll, mm, maybe not a new laptop, but uh, <laughs> I'll get like I'll get a microphone. I'll get yeah. give me one of them professional uh, podcast microphones. But um, I need to start using mine. Yeah, but, like, the Hangover got worse and worse with each one. I mean, I don't blame them for making those movies, but what disappointed you more than the Hangover sequel or the bad Adam Sandler movies? I say the bad on Sandler movies. Me too. I think it's weird because, like, it eventually, like, because we were just in that phase of growing up, to where I'm not going to say that I felt like I grew out of those films because I can still go back and watch 
most of those like 90s and early 2000s Adam Sandler films. But it was just like, oh, Adam Sandler made a mediocre movie. Oh, he made another mediocre one. All right, I don't care about... You got used to it. You get used to it. And so, but like The Hangover and frankly thinking about some things in there, I don't know if I really want to rewatch that film. Like Um, the whole paging doctor... Yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah. That that one line, the first thing over ages really well. Okay. Yeah, because I was trying to think of, well, they also played on the whole Asian guy has a small dick, but that Asian guy really did have a small (laughs) dick, though. I mean, so there, like, there were things there, but, like, when I saw that, like, to, to give you an idea, like, it looked funny to me. I was excited to see it. Like, one of my roommates at the time ended up getting, like, free passes so we went to the midnight showing he treated us he was like i got some free passes he treated us all to that and then we got like we got super super drunk and we (laughs) saw in theaters and so like i'm with i'm with like my my best friends my my guy friends and it's about the original or the sequel the original okay and and like we saw it and it was like like ed helms still to this day like i can sing the what tigers dream of and and so like yeah like i i have positive memories associated with that experience in that movie and then like a couple years later the sequel came out i remember watching it on demand when i was back home visiting my parents i watched it with my dad and we got like to the end of it and we were like "Mm, that wasn't good at all (laughs) it's it's wild how so many people have like really positive memories about the first hangover because i was in middle school when it came out and me and my cousins, we snuck into the theater at Downtown Disney and watched it. And it was, like, the funniest movie I'd ever seen. Yeah. Like, that was us. We went, I remember, and I don't know why, like, it. I don't know why it has so much big expectations in the first place. Like, it, I, but I remember just watching those previews and all of us was like, we got to go see that. And the night it came out, we went to the movies. And I just remember us cracking up the entire time. And then, so, like, to Keegan's point, talking about being excited for the sequel or whatever like i was hella excited i thought this sequel was going to be so good like with at least with adam sandler we got used to it even though they kept giving him money to make movies which is crazy as hell like you know the bar was set really low because i remember why i went to the movies to go see grown-ups even in thinking and then i remember thinking that was a pretty good movie like it's been a while since adam sandler so i'm just happy it was acceptable like, the bar was set so low. Yeah, a lot of people had high expectations for grown-ups because it was like an SNL reunion. I guess that. But are those people... I feel like those people who get hyped about the SNL reunion, those are older people. That's a very distinct age of, like, late 30s through their through uh, the late 40s or whatnot. So I really think it's that's the target for the SNL folk or whatever. Because... Those movies made a lot of money, but that's what happens when you make a family movie because then you take the entire family to go see it. Instead of just you going on date night with your wife or whatnot, y'all going to take both kids, and then you're probably going to take one of their friends who is spending the night for the weekend as well, and y'all all go see it. So, Well, I think that's also to – it's important to remember that, like, we talk about Adam Sandler movies growing up, you know, like, oh, yeah, like, from 96 into – like, and so we were, we were 8 to 12. But like we still like that's a that's an important demographic for those movies, but like those movies were also incredibly popular during those times with like 
late teenagers and people in their early 20s. So by the time Grown Ups comes out, like that literally was just a target demographic for like, hey, all my quintessential like teenage 90s fans who are now in their 30s and probably married, they want this because it's like, it's like a reunion. It's a trip back down, you know, memory and nostalgia lane. And all that. I, didn't, I didn't think about that. That is true that, yeah, we was kids in those early Adam Sandler movies. We was like 10 years old. But you have those people who was 18 and 19 that was in college going to see the Adam Sandler movies. And that meant a lot to them. So now he's, I'm bringing the whole gang back, guys. <laughs> and so I never thought of it in that manner. And it's kind of like with, uh, with this generation, how uh, Bad Boys 3 came out. And people were so hyped about it. Or when I, because that was big when we was like Bad Boys 2 was huge when we was like 15, 16. Yeah. So that was big. So I didn't even think about there was the early 20s people that loved Adam Sandler while he was making those gross out, silly ass comedies and shit. That's too funny. Yeah. But he, I would, I agree though with, uh, with Jacory, just talking about the Adam Sandler movies going back to, uh, anger management was the last big one because I tried to I tried to convince myself on the longest yard. I couldn't I have do- a confession to make though. When I, <laughs> when, I was a, when I was a child, when I was in like middle school, I thought Don't Mess With The Zohan was really funny but now I can't rewatch it, of course. I never liked it in the first place. Yeah, like well, I, I never knew when it came out. Which one is that one? It's the That's one where he's like the Israeli secret yeah. agent. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. That came out in 08, so I was 13. You know what movie, uh, uh, just a movie that has an age one, just to throw this out there real quick? Remember The Master of Disguise? Yes. The turtle. Bro, we thought that was so funny. Like, I remember I had to be like 13 or 14 when that came out, and I just thought that was the funniest stuff ever. And that came on one day last year on like TBS or something. I tried watching it. That's one of the worst movies of all time. It was not. It was not. Like, I can't believe, but I re- we went to the movies so excited to see that crap. Like, this guy's came out in 02. It came out in 02? Yeah, we were freshmen. We were freshmen. Yeah, I was 14 in 2002. <laughs> yeah, that's, that movie just... But we were so excited to go see it, but that movie was awful. Now I saw a preview for Master of Disguise in another movie, and I remember in the preview it was like, this is what you're doing, and this is what you're doing. <laughs> what I need. <laughs> I, everyone thought that was hilarious. We was, everybody was using that joke on each other. This yeah. is what you're doing? This is what you it had. It had the three funny moments from the film yeah. in the trailer. Yeah. And so... Also, like, Dana Carvey, well, he wasn't still really hot at that time but like coming off nowhere near i didn't even know who he was but coming off of 90s snl he was like a legend from that but it had been a while well for me as this young black 14 year old and maybe from a different point of view but i don't remember seeing him anything for years even for like it was like it was a reach it was (laughs) it was a big it was a big 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 reach that was an awful ass movie so all right to go all the way back around jacory where were we I said Carol and Kumar Escape from Guantanamo Bay is a movie that has aged badly because of the political humor. And oh yeah, and I said I just didn't think it was a good movie even without the political humor. It was just they did it for the money because the first one was so popular. Yeah. So can can I start with yep. the new movie? Yeah. 
So this also, uh, I'm, I'm gonna change it up a little bit because we talked about mostly like comedies or lighthearted things. Um, and so this, I think came out in like 2004 to, yeah, 2004, 2005, I think I was a sophomore. Um, and so when I first saw this movie, I loved it because again, um, uh, me, it's history related, uh, it deals with Japan, I'm a weeb. So naturally like- What movie like, is he about to say? <laughs> uh, it is The Last Samurai with Tom Cruise. <laughs> so I heard someone else, so have you watched those YouTube videos of Mojo movies or whatever, and they'll talk about top 10, worst movies or top 10 whatever that was definitely on some kind of top 10 movies that didn't age well or something and that was like number two or something so i will i will still maintain that like tom cruise and billy Connolly and ken wananabe are very good in it it is a well-made like the production values there is there is effort put into the film but <laughs> like both coming from the fact like it is just is basically dances with wolves but in japan yeah and it like as i am older now and like it is just like the whole like white savior bullshit like trope where he is this you know disillusioned civil war officer who like <laughs> committed atrocities and then goes to japan to help like train japanese soldiers during like the meiji restoration period as they're modernizing and then he like falls in with like so like my, my two biggest issues are like not only the white savior trope, but both like I loved it when it was when it was in high school. I bought the special edition DVD, I rewatched it, and then like I got older, I learned a bunch of things. Um, and then like and even in undergrad, I took a like a modern Japanese history course, and you learn like a lot about the Satsuma Rebellion, which is what it's based off of. And then even like as you get older, you have a more like nuanced understanding of like the Japanese or like just even the samurai class system and like how like Westerners love it because in simplified terms, it's all about like, you know, preserving honor in these things. But it's just also weird that like coming from our society, we like hate like suppose like institutionalized rigid class structures, LOL. Um, and like, like being a samurai meant something at one point, but they were also like incredibly privileged and like there was a ton of corruption and all these things. And it was, it's an over-romanticized thing, particularly in the West. And so there are just so many, like there's one scene towards the end where like Tom Cruise is like fully bought into it and is like talking with, you know, um, Ken Wananai's character and is like, I can't think of a better time for when the samurai are truly necessary or something. <laughs> and like, I rewatched this movie, like, I've seen bits and pieces, but, like, I rewatched it when I was in grad school, and I was telling my friend who was, like, I was hanging out with, like, oh, man, like, yeah, like, I love this movie growing up. Yeah, we should watch it, and we watched it, and we got halfway through it, and I was, like, oh, no, and it got to that point, and Tom Cruise fucking says that line, and she, like, turned to me and was, like, oof. <laughs> I was, like, yeah, no, you're right, nope, I'm, I'm... I still can't believe they got away got away with that movie man like mid 2000s man like it's that is white as hell that like and again like and i and I, I recognize this is the small part of me that still is trying to rationalize things like there's a, there's a lot of effort put into the film like they in their minds they feel like they're honoring the like the culture and the same like they had good intentions they yeah had good they intentions. had they had good intentions. It's just marred down in so many bad Western tropes 
and all it's it's like there's a couple still like really good fight scenes and battle scenes that are like again well done and beautiful and and all these things but it's just like it's overly sentimental it's like have either of you seen it i've seen bits and pieces i've never before you, I, I want to give away just like a minor spoiler. Is that okay? Oh, no. Okay. They're like, and even like, even thinking about this, so there's like when Tom Cruise is like to take these like ragtag, like new modern Japanese soldiers to fight these samurai rebels, like it doesn't go well. And he gets, he's in the process of being like almost executed by this samurai. And then he met, like he kills him at the last second. And then they're like, oh no, because based off of a vision that the, the other character had at the beginning of like a wounded white tiger fending off at the end. He's like, wait, no, save him and bring him with us. And so he kills this samurai. And then later it's basically revealed that the person taking care of his wounds is the wife of the samurai he killed. And then he has to spend winter with them as they're snowed in. And then eventually at the end, the wife falls in love with him. And it's just, it's bad. That that actually, as I'm saying out loud, that's the worst part. Is that so? It was, not only it was shitty. Hey, hey, I murdered your husband, and I'm like, you know, like the white savior, and now I have come to take you as well. And she's like, okay, <laughs> I'm getting some laughs from Amy, so I know I'm doing well. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, so like that. That's like a big third strike right there. It's like, oh, it is. It's. Mm, I gotta stop. I'm sorry. It's it's. Bad. It's bad. I have a, I have a, a couple movies that didn't age well because basically from the '90s, the video game adaptations that they did. Because remember the Super Mario Brothers movie? How dare you! I will fight. Hold on. That movie was trash when it first came out, though. Wait a minute. I'm saying that to say this. I'm saying that to say this. That thing, I haven't rewatched it in a long time, and I remember loving it as a kid. But I. I wonder if I watch it now, will I think that is a horrible ass movie? Because I feel like it was horrible then, but yes. I enjoyed it because I was a kid. Will I still enjoy it now? No. <laughs> I think I think that's in a realm to where like it's. I think it's in a realm of where it's like bad, but it's just like it's just like a bad film. But then again, I haven't rewatched it in forever. Right, that's yeah. what I want. I might still like it. I mean, I doubt it, but sucks. And the Mortal Kombat movie was. Awesome. I still, I still like the first Mortal Kombat movie though. Wait a minute, there's more than one. Yeah, there are like three, I think. Two or three. I do not remember that. I remember that first one being awful. And then... you know, the Mortal Kombat one is one where it's probably like, yeah, it is a really bad movie, but I don't care because I grew up with it. So yeah. And that's how I might feel about Super Mario Brothers movie. And then I have, uh, and then Street Fighter, the remake of that. Like, I didn't see the Street Fighter movie. Oh man, with Jean Claude Van, Damme. I thought Jean Van Jean Claude Van Damme was the toughest guy ever when I was growing up. Oh, you know, wait a minute, just sad now. You want to know one actor that didn't age well? Steven Seagal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I knew you were gonna say that. How'd I know? <laughs> Bro, if you like, he he makes a ton of movies for some reason, and it's all these hella low budget movies, and he is like fatter and fatter in every movie. You know he's a cop in Louisiana. He what? He's a cop in Louisiana. Are you serious? Yeah. They said that he's like the biggest asshole to work with. 
He's also super tight with uh, Putin. Is he really? How? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, Matt, Google it. There's like videos of them participating in like traditional judo tournaments. Oh, yes, there, it sure is. They did a, a thing about him. I was watching randomly on YouTube. Uh, when you go down the rabbit hole of YouTube during a pandemic, I found out on something, and it was like a 15-minute video just talking about Steven Seagal and all the weird stuff he's done and how he's become so hated in Hollywood because he's an asshole to work with and how his movies got shittier and shittier. But for some reason, in the 90s, he was like a badass with a ponytail. That's hilarious, but yeah, but those video game adaptation movies, those three at least were pretty shitty. I mean, most video game movies are just bad. Like, they're not well made. What's some other video game movies? They Doom had a, a Doom video. Uh, what? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Doom with Rock, like Ja'Cory said. Uh, the Angelina, Angelina Jolie, like Tomb Raider Tomb movie. Tomb Raider. Yeah, yeah. Assassin's Creed. <laughs> oh, the Assassin's Creed movie is straight. Garbage. The Grand Theft Auto movie's dope, though. What's the Grand Theft Auto movie? I'm just playing. <laughs> um, but wouldn't that be dope if they did a Grand Theft Auto movie? That would be like any crime movie. It's Fast and the Furious, probably. I don't know. Oh, yeah, pretty that's, much. That's literally what Amy just said. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> San Andreas is Fast and the Furious 1. I didn't see the Warcraft movie, but I heard that was terrible. Oh, so just another side note real quick. You, one show that I think is going to continue to age well when it's off the air is Shameless. And uh, Sh I feel like you would like Shameless. Like, to me, it's like a different version of The Wire in a sense that it shows, like, it, it evolves with time. So whatever's going on in real life and how things update, it updates. So, like, it's not going to stay stale but it just evolves. So, like, they bring in, like, the political aspect of stuff that, oh, they talk about gentrification on there as well. Like, they talk about real estate and the housing market on there, how that happens and stuff. So, it kind of, it's like that. And the writing is really good. Like, to be honest, it never gets stale. Like, it's shameless HBO. Huh? It's shameless HBO. No, Showtime. Oh, okay. But... But the show is just, it's on its 10th season, I think, and it's still entertaining. The writing has not got boring. Uh, they don't depend, so they don't necessarily depend on the dramatics, but it's been, I would, it's not melodramatic, though. It's dramatic, but not melodramatic. And so I feel like you would like Shameless, and I'm shocked you haven't watched it before. But, like, all the characters, like, grow. They all evolve. Some of them backpedal, just like real life. Keegan, you've watched Shameless, right? I watched the first season. That's all? I know. I need to I need to get back into it. It was good. It was very good. It's it's a really good show. Like and it's one of those few shows that after nine or ten seasons, they're they've been able to keep like almost an entire cast. They've only only one person that's left the show and she didn't leave until season nine. Mm. So it's a I think that show's going to age well. Um all right, so who was next? Did we what was another movie that y'all got? So another movie that didn't age well, and this is going to be controversial for all my comic book and superhero fans. The first, the first Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie has not aged well. I could, I, I can see it. that. I never even seen it, but I know everybody said that it was too like comic booky. So it's very campy. Um, like the humor is kind of campy and stale. 
they have it's it's one of those movies where like the actors playing high school students are clearly way too old. Um, <laughs> that is true. It doesn't hold up compared to like how far we've come with superhero movies. It's not that good anymore. So do any, which superhero movies from our childhood has aged well? And Ja'Cory, you could probably say The Dark Knight is your childhood, so we're not going to go with that. I actually have that on my list as movies. That well, aged. I'm just talking about particularly what superheroes from our childhood has aged well. Uh, oh, superheroes I gotta... or movies? Uh, which like comic book superhero movies? I just particularly those from my childhood has aged well. Cause you saying Spider Man has made me think that none of them age well, but I'm probably not thinking hard enough. I think the first Blade aged well. True that. I gotta say, we like this year rewatched uh, the like original Batman, like Michael Keaton, Tim Burton. Yeah, that's good. And, yeah, is like, good? yeah, I think so. I st- I mean, like everyone is really good in it. Jack Nicholson obviously is like fantastic. I mean, like, and I had completely forgotten that Prince did the music for it. Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah, like so. Growing up, like that scene where like the music plays and they're in the museum and like yeah, trash it. That. Like, I loved that scene when I was a kid. And I had, and then I just didn't watch the mu- uh, the movie for a while. And then I was like, wow, Prince did the fucking soundtrack for this. <laughs> this is awesome. So I would definitely say that movie. And the second one as well have held up because they are like so in line with. Which one is the second one? Uh, it's uh, Batman Returns. It's with Catwoman, the Penguin, Christopher oh, Walken. Oh yeah, that was okay. Yeah. Um, Michael Keaton is my mother's favorite Batman. Also, Trinity Gonzalez's favorite. Yeah. <laughs> what other? Are there any other? Like you said, Blade. You said that Batman with Michael Keaton. Are there other superheroes y'all can think of? Or comic book movies? I mean, that age well. Howard the Duck. What's I know about Dick Tracy? Dick Tracy and Howard the Duck, no. <laughs> Who's Dick Tracy? Dick Tracy was a detective. Oh. It, uh, what's his name? They played in that movie with Halle Berry. What's that white dude's name? It was a movie like he was a politician or something, and he was in a movie with Halle Berry. Billy Bob Warren Thornton. Beatty. Warren Beatty. Warren, Billy Bob Thornton, Negro. <laughs> he was in Monster Ball with Halle Berry. Well, I'm not talking about that nasty shit. No. Yo. Yeah, Dick it. Tracy was a detective. I was a huge fan of Dick Tracy as a kid. That's not a superhero, though. He was a comic book. I said he comic book or superhero. He was a hero to some, Ja'Cory. Wow. I can't think of any others. I don't like the the other Batman movies before Dark Knight that also have what's-his-name in it. Because they suck. They I feel like people different. like them. No, the Batman and Robin. Everyone clowns Batman and Robin. No, I'm talking about the ones. What What was his name in Dark Knight? Oh, talking about Christian Bale. Christian Bale. Yeah, the other ones that he was in before Dark Knight, I don't like. He was only in one. Batman Returns. It was, no, it was two of them before Dark Knight. There was Batman Begins, Dark Knight, and then Dark Knight Rises. I thought it was two before Dark Knight. Just one. Ah, oh, well, I thought that one. I didn't like that one. Batman Begins was pretty good. Eh, I ain't like it. I remember having very low expectations for Batman Begins. Hey, once again, Keegan. We can't hear you. God damn it. <laughs> I had very low expectations for still nothing. I mean, we can... You, you don't sound as loud as you were. Hello? 
Yes, we can hear you. Okay. I just remember having very low expectations for Batman Begins and then being like, wow, this is a fantastic origin story. I also didn't watch any comic book movies for real before Dark Knight. Like, none of the... I watched the Michael Keaton Batmans as a kid, and I watched Blade, and I didn't watch any of the... I didn't watch Spider-Man, The Hulk, or any of those movies. So the Dark Knight was the first one I had seen, like, as I got older. So watching Dark Knight set the standards really high for me. So when I went back to watch, like, Batman Begins before Dark Knight, I was like, this shit is trash. Like, it was awful. And then I, the next one after that I watched was uh, The Avengers and that first Avengers. And I couldn't watch, like, uh, the shit before The Avengers or Dark Knight. That shit looked trash to me. Did you watch any of the uh, original X-Men movies? Do you have, like, your finger or something over the... I don't know what I'm doing. Did you watch any of the original X-Men movies? <laughs> uh, not until after The Dark Knight. The first two were good. Yeah, I didn't like any of those for real. You just don't like superhero movies, it sounds like. I love Ant-Man, Garden of the Galaxy. Hold on, how do you like Ant-Man but not the first two X-Men movies or Batman Begins? Because they're it's better than those movies. Nah, it, you might like it because it's funny, but it's not a better superhero movie than those. How are you going to tell me what I, <laughs> I, I think is better? I Those... Those the X Men movies. Maybe I need to go back and watch them or something. But I remember immediately watching X Men after Dark Knight and thinking it's just mediocre as hell. And I definitely like Ant Man and Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians is amazing, but Ant Man, no. I love Ant Man, bro. Nah. I think it's got a oh. I, today I watched um, Birds of the Prey or Birds of Prey. Birds of Prey. Whatever it's called, Birds yeah. of Prey. That movie was dope. I haven't seen it. A lot of I've heard a, reviews on it. Yeah, like that was a good ass movie. And I know nothing. I didn't know who the hell Harley Quinn even was. And so did the did the Joker actually have a girlfriend when he yeah. in the comics and stuff? Yeah. Oh, so that's not just like new and fake or whatever. No. I mean it is fake, obviously, but okay. But yeah, like I thought that I've watched I just I recently watched The Joker. And Birds of Prey. And both of those movies are good as hell. Joker is pretty good. No, it was good as hell. Joker, I don't consider Joker a comic book movie, though. It's basically a drama, but with Joker as the main character. It's not like other comic oh, books. It's not based on a comic book. Yeah. Oh, so it's a whole new storyline that they're just creating. Yeah, Joker's not connected to any of the other movies. Oh, well, it's still, it's a good-ass movie, though. Yeah. That was really good. Keegan, have you seen Birds of of the well, birds of prey. Oh yeah, we loved birds of prey. It was fantastic. You still can't hear you, Keegan. God damn it! I don't know what this guy's got. God damn it! <laughs> yeah, we really liked birds of prey. You don't sound like how you sound earlier, bro. Am I tripping, you, Corey? Nah, you're right. We really liked birds of prey. That's worse. Whatever you did was worse. We really liked birds of prey. <laughs> you were right there. Okay, cool. I'm just going to literally do this. I don't know why it's like this sometimes. Yeah, you might just need a microphone. I might. Yeah, like, okay, but you really like Birds of Prey, huh? I mean, we did. Like, it was, like, so we're not really big fans of, like, anything that DC has done in the last 10 years. Except Wonder Woman, which, I mean, it's true. Like, it's it's a very good film. Um, but 
like Birds of Prey. Like, I mean, Suicide Squad was not good. And then that movie was awful. So basically any of the movies that DC has like taken away from the realm of like, and I know this is, I'm not going to say an unpopular opinion because he has a stupid cult status, but like Zack Snyder, like any of the movies where he doesn't have like major creative control are like conveniently the ones that like are both critical and commercial successes. Like Wonder Woman was beloved by critics and was a massive success. Hell, like even so, Aquaman isn't going to age well just because, like, even when it came out, the CGI wasn't great for it. That movie, I watched that like a month or so ago. That movie's awful. Aquaman had, maybe it's because of low expectations, it had no right being one, I'm going to admit, Jason Momoa, like, I just think he's very charming. He's yeah. a charming motherfucker. <laughs> like, I don't think that movie had as any right as being, even with low expectations, as acceptable as it was. Um, but then, yeah, like Birds oh, of Prey. Shazam. I hear Shazam was pretty good. Oh, I, Shazam is fantastic. That movie I seen that movie yet. So, like, He's most of the uh, big thing is that, like, hey, they're either written or and or directed by, like, women or people of color. And then you've got, like, People being like, "Oh, once Zack Snyder releases the Snyder cut of Justice League or or something, it's going to it's going to prove to be a masterpiece, and that his vision." So like, it's still going to be trash. Just yeah. so y'all, whoever's listening to this, it will still be trash. <laughs> Batman vs Superman also garbage. I have high hopes for the new Batman, the Batman, the trailer that they just released with Robert Pattinson. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not I gonna lie. I was like, again. Low expectations because shockingly, I haven't cared about Batman for almost the last decade. Um, I've gained a newfound respect for Robert Pattinson in the last couple years. Me too. Um, and I, I was like, "Damn, I actually kind of want to see this." So, Let's have Riddler, which is my we, favorite. Corey, didn't we talk about that? Didn't we talk about that earlier this summer about Robert Pattinson? Because I watched like two movies of his this summer. And I was like, this dude is a really good actor. Yeah, I think Twilight really ruined his reputation out the gate, but he's good. Yeah, and he was, huh? Well, I mean, like, after he got out of that contract, it's clear, like, since then he's basically done nothing but, like, kind of weird, off-the-grid, like... The Lighthouse was pretty good. Oh, no, I love The Lighthouse. Um, There's a movie on Netflix he's in that's really good. Oh, I know what you're talking about. I can't remember the name, though. Good time. Good time. So he, like, that's a, he he's a really good actor. And I had no idea. He made a conscious effort to be like, all right, I made my Twilight money. I'm gonna go lay low. I'm gonna go do these weird films that I can be like creative with. So Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, and like <laughs> maybe get my reputation back as an actor. And then now he's coming back to like the main stage as a huge potential icon. I. I have so much respect, and I'm huge fans now of Robert Pattinson and Shia LaBeouf. I think that they both just do their own thing. They made so much money early on. Like, their careers are very different. Of course, did Amy say something? No, I just, I had to get my beer. Oh, I just felt like she would have had to say something when I said I'm a huge fan of Robert Pattinson and Shia LaBeouf. But... But no, like they both, they have different types of careers, of course. Cause like Ja'Cory was saying, Robert Pattinson was in those Twilight movies and it kind of like ruined his reputation. Like, cause it was straight out the gate. So we had no evidence that he was like a dope actor. With Shia LaBeouf, he was doing all these huge blockbuster movies 
from when he did the TV show first and did the huge blockbuster movies, got in trouble and stuff too, but he made so much money he could start doing what he wanted to do, beaten by his own drum, doing those different little art exhibits and doing uh, doing kind of low-key low movies that just require, that's really good writing and requires really good acting as well. And you can tell both of them are kind of at that same place where they're like, hey, I'm a really good actor and I'm going to show y'all. And it don't have to be in some big blockbuster movie, but I can still drop a big blockbuster movie if I want to. Because I think Robert Pattinson's in that new movie, uh, Tenet, as well. Yeah, I keep forgetting that. Only which is still coming out in theaters, which is crazy. I think they announced that they're going to release it via streaming. No, I literally saw a commercial today that said Tenet in theaters, wherever theaters are open. <laughs> and it, and it left that part at the end, wherever theaters are open. He, like, okay, so a slight segue, but like Tenet and Christopher Nolan have like kind of become like a walking, I'm not going to say joke, like a meme because he like has constantly been like, I'm only going to release Tenet in theaters because it's yeah. seen in theaters, and but I want to respect the medium and the industry. And he's pushed it back like five times at this point and now they're yeah. just like whatever like, my friends and i have been like clowning him all summer because of how arrogant that sounds like really you're gonna be the only movie released in in theaters uh this year well that and wonder woman huh well the wonder woman trailer is even like the wonder woman trailer says kind of the same thing but it's even just i think the wonder woman trailer is like that to just be like we're gonna leave it open for 2021 yeah, I was about to say, in 2021, it's more likely that it can play in theaters, just not now. Like, they're trying to, like, I think in June, I saw a trailer for Tenet that said releasing next week or something like that. I'm like, no. Yeah, they it released this week, so they, he said, fuck it, we still gonna be out in these theaters. He gonna have all 107 people watching it. Now, you know, it's probably still gonna be people going, unfortunately. Especially in Georgia. Well, yes. Why, especially in Georgia? So I feel like Georgia is like the one state that has never like shut down or taken it seriously. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I agree, and that's why my ass is still sitting here. But yeah, so I want to see that movie so bad too, but but no, nah, I ain't taking a chance. But yeah, Robert Pattinson, I just grew a whole lot of respect for him. And people, go watch a uh, Good Time on Netflix if y'all get a chance, cause that's a good movie. Yeah, I've heard. I've heard. Yeah, y'all need to watch that. I just watched another Shia LaBeouf movie that is based on a Mark Twain novel. I can't remember what it's called. Does Amy know? Peanut Butter Falcon? Yeah, Peanut Butter Falcon. That is a really good, entertaining movie as well. I like that movie a lot. Shia LaBeouf is a hell of an actor, man. He's a dope-ass actor. and Respect the hell out of him. Unlike the respect that I have for Keith. Because... He is bringing a very hipster energy to my podcast right now. Um, so do you have looks any like, Keegan looks like he would be on King of the Hill if it were set in Austin and full of hipsters. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a great compliment because I love King of the Hill as well. Hey, that would be a great reboot to the show. It's King of the Hill, but based in Austin, Texas with millennials and Gen Zers. Yeah, like modern day King of the Hill, like 35-year-old millennial Hank Hill, like I would watch the shit out of that. That would be, that would probably actually be hilarious. Paging Mike Judge, get your ass in gear and do that shit. If they remade The Office today, 
how could they remake it to like update with the time? Like, what would the whole setting be? The characters, like, what would it be like? You would like if you sold literally anything else, it would still work. Say what? If you sold literally anything else, it would still work. They you just can't sell paper, but anything else would be fine. Okay, so what would you do? Like, how would you? What would be the setting then? I mean, it could be a high ed setting easily. I could definitely see it in higher education. Higher education, I'm sorry, like higher education, the office setting could easily work. And with younger people, and it would be a lot more people in their like mid to late 20s and early 30s as well. And then just a sprinkle of like two 60 year olds that's worked at the university for 30 years. Just get like, yeah, you throw in a Miss Elizabeth or like a Martha (laughs) Gale. You could do it like a bank. Who goes to the bank still in 2020? Especially not now, yeah. I mean, well, not right now, but people still go to banks. For oh, what? All my banking online. Well, what I mean, that could still work because, like, I mean, they didn't really have customers coming into their business, but, I mean, oh. they still have work to do. So they could – so basically, if it wasn't a bank, though, it could be based on a little bit more of they don't have customers because this new generation just doesn't come in there. I mean, the bank yeah. – customers but just not people that come into the bank for real side note my brother-in-law still goes into the bank every two weeks and he, he take he goes in there to get rolls of uh quarters and stuff <laughs> and i'm like how old is this guy bro <laughs> and sometimes i drive past the bank and i'm like who the hell is even in the bank right now like what are they doing in there like i mean every now and then i'll go into a bank to like make a deposit Cause I mean, sometimes they don't have the ATMs where you can do it there. So you old as hell. He's still going. <laughs> All right. So I think we. I think I'm gonna talk about like a movie that I think has aged pretty well. Okay. Um. Did have either of you seen uh is when was it 19? It was a 1990s film uh called Blast from the Past with Brendan Fraser. No. Hold on, I think I have seen it. I feel like I've talked. It's very 90s because you said Brendan Fraser. Yeah. So the premise of the film is that it uh, initially takes place in like the 19, late 1950s or early 60s. With Alicia Silverstone. Alicia Silverstone, Alicia, yeah. whatever. Alicia, yeah. Uh, and basically what happens is like it's at the height of the Cold War, like I think during the Cuban Missile Crisis, so it's the 60s. Uh, and like Christopher Walken and is it Sissy Sissy Spacek are like this couple and Sissy Spacek is pregnant and they're like spooked that you know the cold you know like new you know like bombs are going to be dropped and so Christopher Walken is like this rich genius who works for like uh, a college or university or something and he has like this built-in bunker that is can last for 30 or 40 years so they go down there to test it out just to be safe and then a plane accidentally lands on their house and they think it's a bomb and so they're stuck down there for like 30 something years to avoid the fallout and so like they raise their son and like all these ways and like a very like 1950s 1960s traditional way and then like it gets to the 90s and he has to go out to the world to resupply and to find out what's happened um and and all of that and it's like it's it's pretty like corny and hokey but brendan fraser is very like genuine and earnest in it um so i want to read you 
because I think that first of all, your synopsis of the movie matched what is on like Wikipedia and kind of your review just matched a couple of the reviews that people wrote. So I'm going to read those. First synopsis is the film focuses on a naive 35 year old man, Adam Weber, who spent his entire life living in a fallout shelter with his parents watching reruns of I Love Lucy and the Honeymooners and listening to Perry Como and Dean Martin. Mm-hmm. Relatively content to stay while his mother copes by trying to cobble together atomic era cocktails. When Adam has to come out of the shelter to get more supplies, his old fashioned attitudes and manners make him a hit with everyone he meets and attracts the attention of Eve. So, then one of the so uh, the receptions of the movie and stuff. Um, the movie is funny and entertaining all the you in all the usual ways. Yes, but I was grateful that it tried for more. It was actually about something, and it had an original premise that and it used satire and irony to slide the undercurrents. It, it will age well. It will age well with time. It really said that. So. He pretty much hit it right on with what it says on this page, but I've never seen this movie. And so there's this also, there's one scene in particular, and I was stressing my brain today trying to remember what movie this was from. So I want to say it takes place in like Los Angeles or like a a major California city. And so like the area that they initially were in like the 50s and 60s was like idyllic suburbs. And then like it turns into like a suburban sprawl and then it turns into like just like a bad area. And so like Christopher Walken halfway through the movie, like goes out himself as this like, you know, like eccentric old man trying to get a feel of what's going on. And he runs into a prostitute who is like, it's, it is like obviously heavily implied that they are transsexual. And when we were rewatching this, I was like, oh God, this is going to destroy my rewatch because like it's this dude who's born in like the 19 you know 20s and they're from the 50s and and all that is gonna and i can't describe how the scene but he's just like instead of being like oh my god like what is this get away from me you you know like using you know like anything like the scene could have gone terribly in so many ways and instead he's like oh okay so you're telling like he looks at it in more of just like a fact-finding way to like understand things and then like there's like the individual is not like made from at least when i remember like the butt of the joke there's no like like there's so much low-hanging fruit that they could go for and there's just like oh i'm like this is so different to me and like that's where the humor comes from but it's not mean and then there's just like so many other things where like Alicia Silverstone's, I think it's her brother is like gay. And then like Brendan Fraser finds that out and is like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, and it's just like, he is like naive is the perfect word because he's this, like he's 35 years old. He's a virgin. He's been raised by 1950s parents. He has like this truly antiquated version of what like life and love and all these things should be. And he just comes out and is just, it's like pure night. It's vintage 1990s Brendan Fraser, to where he just like you buy into it. You get crazy Christopher Walken. There's like there's plenty of like 90s gags as well that we can appreciate uh, now that the movie's aged. So it's dare I say to some to summarize, it's a delightful film. <laughs> Young people probably would never know. They probably first of all don't know who Brendan Fraser even is, do they? I know who Brendan Fraser is. 
Well, well Jacory, we've already said you're a little different than most. I love The Mummy. Huh? I love The Mummy. That's one of my favorite movies. I guess that is true. Yeah, that is true. Who else was one of those, like, one of those young white guy superstars that all the girls loved and was always in movies, but didn't necessarily get to age well with time? Uh, I don't know. Remember Josh Hartnett? Oh, that's a way, that's a very good answer. Way better than that's what I was thinking. Say it again. We literally can't hear you, Keegan. I was going to say Paul Walker. I think Paul Walker, though, that he, he aged pretty well doing all the Fast and Furious movies. Well, I mean, he didn't really get okay, to age. Okay. So. All right, that's kind oh, of dark. Sorry, sorry. sorry. Kind of <laughs> Jonathan Taylor Thomas. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you too. I mean, he chose not to be in the limelight. He was like, I'm well, going to yeah. go to Harvard. And I mean, but still, though, like, the young people, young people, spe- like, especially younger than Ja'Cory, they do not know who John- JTT is. Oh, oh, do you remember Sean Williams Scott? Oh, yeah. American Pie, right? Sean Williams, he was in a movie I watched with Billy Bob Thornton that Billy Bob Thornton was, like, his means, Mr. Woodchuck. Yeah, Miss. Oh, yeah, Mister. Yeah, Woodcock. I think. Yeah. Woodcock. Mr. Yeah, that's. What I, we'll get off the podcast. Like a cider or something. Huh? I said. Is it, oh, you know. Speaking of that, then movies that didn't age well. I haven't watched American Pie in years, but do y'all think that movie no. is watchable? Probably not. No. You don't think it's watchable? No, because I think it's so rooted in like, like, a lot of like just hey, this is the stereotypical coming in of age of, like, you know, white dudes where we're going to try and get laid. And that movie has been done a ton in, like, the 70s and the 80s and the 90s. And it's still, like, even in 2000s, like, super bad. Uh, super bad is better, is better than... Super bad is, like... No, and I agree. Like, super bad, like, is, like, it's... I'm just saying, the base... Sim, you know, like if we simplified yeah, the it, the coming of age. Yeah. I'm, I'm horny, young, seventeen-year-old yeah. guys. But, but like, what you talked like about earlier, when talking about Judd Apatow movies, we're still going to do these comedies, but we're gonna. They're smarter now. Yeah, and they're not lazy, and they're they have a little bit of the the drama sense to it, and that's kind of that to bring that all the way back around. It's kind of an example of what you was talking about earlier. But like American Pie is just pure unfiltered like we're trying to get laid and that's the entire basis and it's just do bro comedy and then white man so at a a serious white college comedy like the van wilder movies and then like Like, i said like the van wilder movies yes literally even what i was telling will earlier like i was trying not to go with super late low-hanging fruit but like there's still like several incredibly problematic scenes like, yeah, where they're just like, hey, we're gonna like broadcast him trying to have sex with this girl without her knowing, and then oh, there's no consequences, but she had to go back to her home country, and then you know, it is really like, fucked up that kind yeah. of shit, bro. <laughs> I mean, it's the reason why people kind of like shy away from that one, and then like it's the same thing with Revenge of the Nerds. No one talks about that movie anymore because they're like, oh wow, there's like a ton of messed up stuff in this movie, so. Because that movie was on Comedy Central all the time when I was growing up. Sure was. Not anymore. <laughs> when they was just trying to trick all the girls into sex somehow. That's what so many of those movies was based on. That is so... Times have changed. You, so, do y'all think... 
talking about movies that age well. 20 years from now, 2040, if the earth is still around. Well, if we're all still here after, like Ja'Cory said, the sun's going to blow up and blow us all up. If we're still here in 2040. Um, do you all think that all these Marvel movies and DC, all the movies that are coming out now, will they have aged well? Will they be movies that that the kids who are 10 at that time will actually watch? And will there be movies that people who are in their 20s and 30s at that time will actually enjoy and rewatch? So you're only talking about superhero movies coming out Just right the, now? all the Marvel, all the huge, the huge storm of, of comic book superhero movies that we've been getting since, let's say, 2011, this whole era of superhero movies. It's hard to say because I don't know when that trend is going to end. Like it's that, still no, That's why I'm saying it because none of us knew it back then in the 90s. So I'm just saying, try to guess, like, what do you think? Like, we don't just, we're not going with just the, I'm not sure. It's hard to I say. Think, I think because Disney made such a, both a concerted effort to make that like an expanded universe in terms of like, laying groundwork and doing this and doing this and doing this, but also because it's Disney, they made it, they made it simplified. They made it palatable. And I think I'm not trying to make it seem like, Oh, it's all sterilized and it's all like corporate nonsense kind of is though. But like, I think, I think some of those films, I think will, will still be held up, not as like fantastic films, but they will still be viewed as fun films. Yeah. Like, my thing with the Marvel movies is that, like, I see them in theaters. I enjoy them. Like, I like that that style of humor. A lot of the special effects are great. They've, like, clearly made an effort to make you try and care about these characters. But they don't, like, they're, like, I see them once, and then I'm good. Like, I try, like, if I rewatch them, I'm, like, oh, some jokes are enjoyable. But I'm not, like, oh, man, yeah, like, I've watched this movie five times, and I still love it. So, yeah. I think... I think just even going off of the sheer amount of like Marvel fans it created, not even like, oh, I was into the comic books before it and I loved getting to see it. I think the sheer number of fans it got into the universe and created purely because of how well done it was. I think, I think they'll, not all of them, because like even now, like some people are like, oh, Age of Ultron is disappointing. Iron Man 2 is like, wasn't as good as the first one. Um, a lot of people are critical of Ant Man uh, for. Jacory, that's my shit right there. Bro, he said he likes Ant Man and not the first two X Men movies. I don't understand that. <laughs> so, I mean, there there are criticisms of them now, but I think as a whole, twenty years from now, I think they're going to hold up well enough. I'm not going to say they're going to be, you know, like hailed as. You know the, right. the perfect blockbuster films, of but it's time. like we go back and watch Clueless. Like I can go back and watch Clueless and still enjoy the movie. I think also because they have created, like you said, they've created an entire universe of just all of this, so that will keep it alive. Like so, do y'all think that 15 years from now, they're still going to be in this universe of creating all the Marvel movies that can connect to what's out right now? I think what's going to happen is like all these superhero movies are going to drop in quality at some point. And this will be remembered as like a golden age of superhero films. Really? How how much longer do you think they have? I mean, it's hard because I mean, 
so the thing is with superhero films they've been for the longest time like you had the 70s superman movies that were wildly inconsistent okay i'm talking about out of this this universe i know, I know. I'm, I'm gonna get there i'm just trying okay, to feel like and then you had the first two like batman movies and people were like oh these are for the time like great at great at great are you talking about the michael keaton era yeah but okay. then like but then like the joel schumacher batmans were like over the top and campy and not as well received and then like that kind of dipped and then like spawn was not well received wait a minute you talking about george clooney batman right yeah george clooney and val kilmer batman and then uh spawn wasn't well received and blade was only a mid-tier hit even though like the, the first blade is has held up pretty damn well um and then it wasn't really until the first like the sam Raimi spider-man's where they were like hey there's a market for these superhero films and like that's when like the marvel cinematic universe started happening but even like you know the fantastic four films like were pretty mediocre and the remake was like bad and like even like even like the marvel hulk movies were not good so like it took like superhero films for about 20 something years were very up and down until both the marvel cinematic universe started and then even like christopher nolan's like Batman trilogy came along and established itself as like, hey, there's a consistency here. And like, these are truly mainstream, very popular films. And a lot of money can be made off of these. Even like, even with like not good films now, like Justice League was not viewed to be a good film, made money. Suicide Squad made a ton of money. Like people are still going to see these films just because like there's the, both the expectations and even if it's not good, it's still going to be like fun superhero, whatever. So, uh, so there's kind of two things to that point. On one end, when you talk about like they still make so much money, it might get to the point though where the expectation the expectations are so high where they're like, oh, this movie only made five hundred million dollars. Guess we can't keep going on with this. Like it's going to turn into that. It's kind of like you look in sports and the NBA. They fire a coach after three years because he only went to the playoffs. But when the standard is set so high, like, we don't have time to waste. So it could either be that or I think it could easily be they can make a whole nother uh, – we'll get to uh, Star Wars, yeah. But they can easily go on to – well, look at Fast and Furious, how the first one came out in 2001. And they was able to turn that into this huge-ass franchise. And here we are 19 years later, and they're still making that, making Fast and Furious movies. Look at, uh, look at uh, what's it called? The James Bond movies. Like, they've, they've been at, Daniel Craig has been able to play this role for, what, 17, for 15, 16 years now? 14 or 15 years, yeah. And then, or, or look at uh, Hugh Jackman with X-Men and Wolverine. Have he played, he has played, he, he finally stopped playing Wolverine, what was it, 2018? Because he's been doing that shit for almost 20 years playing that. So all these other franchises that have been able to turn, which is smaller universes than like the large Avengers and Marvel and all of that shit, they've been able to turn those universes, smaller ones, into 20 years of better than average, better than shitty content. So with this huge ass universe that Marvel has, to me, they easily have at least another 15 years 
where they're still like just dropping heat. Now, after that 15 years, it can turn into like Keegan was talking about, you have a good amount of years of the George Clooney and Val Kilmer era Batman, uh, Spawn, all of that. Like you could, that can easily turn into eight to 10 years of what the fuck was that? And then out of nowhere, some heat drops and then they have another 15 years or somehow they might get hella creative and maybe maybe original scripts start popping again maybe not everything is a remake or a comic book movie because or a reboot or something but then again if it's as long as it's good like 21 drum street then we're fine with it so that's all another thing though but maybe we might see 21 Jump Street does a crossover with Fast and Furious, and then that turns into another 10 years. I think 21 Jump Street with a crossover of Fast and Furious could be dope. They're supposed to do a crossover with Men in Black. Well, I, they never said they were supposed to. It's just those emails said that they suggested it and said that it would be a good idea. But I'm pretty sure that's all it was was a conversation because they're too scared to be that creative because they probably could find a way to make 21 Jump Street really good with Men in Black. If you bring, as long as you can bring, if you have Will Smith, Channing Tatum, and Jonah Hill, and an old-ass Tommy Lee Jones, you can make something really good with that. That'd be dope. And then, well, and because Tommy Lee Jones, was he in the last Men in Black? Oh, yeah, he was, but they brought that one dude in. That played, who? Brolin. Yeah, Josh Brolin, who... Is old as shit, but for some reason was playing a twenty-eight year old Tommy Lee Jones, but dude's like fifty-five, which is yeah. Attention to detail. I don't need to worry about it too much. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Uh okay, so one more, one more topic. We're gonna end this. We're, we're going to kind of stray from movies and TV and go over to sports. And we're going to stick to, like, aging well and all of that. What, what NBA player from the 90s, early 2000s, do you think would – that wasn't a superstar back then but would be, like, a franchise player today with the way basketball has become, with the way basketball is so fast – and just just watching it, like watching the Nuggets and Jazz the other night. I mean, not the Jazz. Uh, yeah, Nuggets and Jazz. Yeah. Watching how easy they were scoring. And I'm not trying to say that they have it easy because everybody's playing their role. But the they get to 130 so easily. Like Donovan Mitchell's 57 today. Like could he have gotten 57 that easily though? back in 1997 or even 2004 against those old Pistons teams or not just the Pistons, just the way, remember how the, remember how scores would be 81 to 83 sometimes? They're in the NBA dark era. Yeah. Like, right, like watching that is crazy as hell. I was watching, um, I think it was I posted something saying that Jamal Murray has the highest uh, score playoff score for the Nug in Nuggets playoff history and his was like 50 while Carmelo Anthony was like 31 and I was like if Carmelo was in his prime in this era Carmelo would have had dropped about 50 two or three times in the playoffs probably so, 
what NBA player that was not a superstar do you think could have been a franchise player or got franchise money today? So this is going to be my answer because, like, you, so would you classify Reggie Miller as a superstar of the 90s? Yeah, like you would classify. You will go ahead and say that. He yeah. was a franchise player. Yeah, so, and that's, I think that's why. So my initial reaction is that, like, we have this memory of, like, Reggie Miller because of, like, who he was and his personality and, like, all these iconic moments he has and his yeah. rivalry with Spike Lee and all these things. And then you go back and, like, look at his stats. Because you imagine, like, <laughs> you imagine, like, oh, yeah, Reggie Miller must have been putting up, like, 28 points a game. And, and that's what back, I thought. And you go back and you're reminded of his stats. And this this isn't, like, me trying to indict him as a player because he was still right. a fantastic player. It's just a different age and not, like, everyone could be Michael Jordan in the 90s dropping 30 a game. Right. Well, he only had a couple seasons where he broke 20-something. Yeah. And on average, I think he was, like, an eight – I think he was barely, if even – a 20-point player per game. He and was so, a lot of 18 and 19 points. Yeah. So my initial reaction is I think if we looked at the way the game was played now, even though Reggie Miller was viewed to be a star because of everything he did, I think Reggie Miller would be scoring crazy points. I agree. So uh, I know no. so I know he was still like he was a he was a big name, he was a franchise player, but he's the first one I'm thinking of in terms of like I just I can't imagine wow. like and he had a ton of games like you know these iconic moments where you know he's dropping you know twelve in the last two minutes of games or you know like all this all his rivalry with the New York Knicks and all that. But what know, do you think his career high is in points per game for a season? What's the highest points per game he ever had? I mean, it's like it's like twenty two or twenty three, isn't it? It's like twenty four. Yeah, it's. But like, today, how much do you – what do you think his high – I feel he probably would average like 30 a game today. I think I think in his prime, in the way the season is now, I think he could have had like one season, like, you know, maybe like on a down year with the team where like he doesn't have that many role players and he's having to put the team on his back. I think he could have a season in today's NBA where he could be like 30 points, 29 to 30 points if he had to be like quote selfish and just chucking buckets and all that, because I so, think the talent, I think the talent and the skill is clearly there with him. Look at it like this. Clay Thompson's career half of points per game is 22. So if Reggie Miller played today and had the same freedom he had in Indiana back in the day, he would easily have – because Clay Thompson barely gets the ball there. Like, he's not even handling the ball. He's coming off of screens and all that. So, imagine Reggie Miller coming off of screens with another – Reggie Miller never played with anyone that was better than him. Reggie Miller was always the best player on the Pacers. So, imagine if Reggie Miller got to be the second best player on the team with way less pressure on him – and the clutch moments would have even came. He had to work really hard for his buckets with that team. So imagine if he had, let me think of somebody like Steph Curry. What if he had a, I don't know, Allen Iverson on his, if he played with Allen Iverson or something, like imagine that. Like he would, his, even, if his, even if he still only averaged 24, his 24 points would have came very, very easy playing with another star. So Reggie Miller just didn't get to play with another star. 
for me, I would think as Charles Barkley was a superstar, but Charles Barkley would be even greater today. Like, <laughs> because especially small ball. So think about how, what do you think his highest rebounds per game was as a, a player? His highest rebounds he averaged in one season. Did he get to double digits? What'd you say? Did he get? Uh, to he hit double digits, like, yeah, like I would imagine several times, right? So I'm gonna tell you right. So out of his least amount of rebounds he ever averaged in one season, his least amount was eight. <laughs> okay, yeah. So and he was six six. Yeah. Hey. So what do you think his highest rebound average is? I'm gonna say twelve. Fourteen point six. Damn, man, he could, he did get that high. And, oh, his, and what do you think his highest points per game average ever is? I want to say he had a couple seasons where he got like twenty six or twenty seven. His highest is twenty eight. Okay, so so oh, Charles wow. Barkley, Charles Barkley could average thirty and fifteen. Thirty, yeah. Oh, holy shit, yeah. And when so when we listen to him on Inside the NBA and he be talking stuff, it's like I'd average thirty a game today. He would. <laughs> he would definitely average it. So he was he was a one time MVP, hella All Star games, franchise player back then. But today he'd be even, and then even today he probably would play with another star on his team. Imagine him with Damian Lillard, bro. Like. Like, Charles Barkley could average today in today's game, if he's the franchise player of his own team, he'd average 32 and 15. He would be averaging what uh, what uh, uh, Giannis is averaging. He would be doing it. So I don't want to be that person that's like, these players couldn't play back in the day. Because they probably could. They would just adapt to the game or whatever. But the numbers are kind of inflated just because of, well, offensive numbers are inflated. So then on the other end, today, defensive players probably have to work harder today than they ever did. So if you are a great defensive player, that might mean a lot more today than it meant back then because there's less rules that are on the defensive player's side, if that makes sense. But, yeah, so you said Sean Kemp probably would make a lot of money today too. Yeah. Isn't that basically kind of Zion Williamson, Sean Kemp, in a sense? I don't know. I think it's too early. Right now, I'm t just as of right now, we don't know what Zion's going to end up being. I hope he can stay healthy. Right. Well, the NBA is hoping he can stay healthy. I mean, I know we joke about, like, LeBron being ageless, but NBA's got to be thinking about a time after him because – it's going to be weird, an uh, NBA without LeBron. Like, even just when I was growing up and started, and then we're seeing all the players we watched growing up retire, Chris Webber, shoot, Dirk, Shaq, like Kevin Garnett, yeah. Paul Pierce, D-Wade's Wade. gone now. Like, so imagine an NBA, no Carmelo, LeBron, Chris Paul. That's going to be weird, man. That's going to be weird. Ja'Cory, do you have one? Yeah, I was going to say Isaiah Thomas. Oh, you think he would be even greater today? Oh, I don't know about greater, but be able to hold his own today. Well, that wasn't the question. What was the question? <laughs> Who would I, be better now than they were back when they were playing? Do So do you think Isaiah Thomas would be an even bigger player now than he was back then? 
Like, who's a player back then that you think, yeah, they was good back then, maybe, but they would be a bigger star now, make more money, average more points or something. And he said Reggie Miller, of course, because if Reggie Miller got to just be Clay Thompson, boy. So, but I think Isaiah Thomas is another one. Isaiah Thomas would basically be Steph Curry, but without that three-pointer. Like, he would be – he Isaiah Thomas would be he, – he would have adapted to become like a John Moran, a Clay Tom – I mean, a, a Steph Curry or something like that because Isaiah Thomas had a hell of a handle. He was a small player. But if he played today, he would be athletic. Like, he would either have the three-point shot at Steph Curry or athletic like John Moran. And so – Somebody that I think would have aged well with today's game. Somebody else, Marcus Camby. Marcus Camby would basically be Rudy Gobert if he played today. Jacquard, do you know who Marcus Camby is? No. Oh, for real, you don't? No. I don't know as much about sports. That's why I've been quiet. <laughs> he knows who Marcus Camby is. The name sounds familiar, but... He played for the Nuggets with Carmel on them. He actually went to UMass and was John Calipari's first big recruit. But you are a hitter who drinks beer and chucks wood. So, anywho, so we're going to end it with this then. Okay. okay. So one more movie that hasn't aged well that I'm just going to throw out there is 300. Oh, yeah. No. I like, never saw that movie. No, that movie didn't age well like a year after it came out. Yeah. 300 just gives me really strong Spike TV vibes. <laughs> <laughs> it gives me bro vibes, you know? No. Yep. Like, so to, like, I 100% agree with everything you're saying. Uh, I saw that movie midnight when it came out. Uh, I was a freshman in college. Uh, me and my other, like, bro friends were like, oh, man, this is going to be so great. It's going to be stylistic, and <laughs> it looks so cool. And surprise, we were pretty drunk. Uh, and we saw it, and we loved it. And then, like, a year later, my dad randomly was like, I found this DVD of 300 at Costco. I figured you would want it. And he gave it to me. So I took it back and we rewatched <laughs> it with my roommates who I saw it with in theaters. And like a year and a half after, we were like, oh, yeah, wow, this is just really lame, isn't it? <laughs> Honestly, Gladiator is a much better version of 300. Wait a minute, hold on. Which one is which then? Gladiator is the one with what's his name? Um, yeah, exactly. What's a pro? Who's in 300? Uh, Gerard Butler. Yeah. I always get them mixed up. I, I thought Gerard Butler was in Gladiator. Nope. Huh. This, was, this was the period when Gerard Butler would do like an action film, then, in a, then a, uh, a romantic then comedy, and then, <laughs> and then he would do an action film, and then he'd do a romantic comedy. Or no, and then he'd do like a semi-thriller, like that movie he had with Jamie Foxx, where he was like, they thought he was in prison, but he constantly was... What was that movie called? I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I'm going to look it up. I got to find it. I can't remember what it's called, though. But that's another actor that we can get into later, though, that made a bunch of... Uh, Law-abiding citizen. Law-abiding citizen. Thank you. Jamie Foxx is another actor, though, that made a bunch of like movies, and you're like, what the fuck are you doing, bro? He makes a lot of really good movies, though. See, but that's what it is. His highs outweigh his lows. Yeah. Like, um, 
Um, I don't know who. What's that one white girl that actually Gerard Butler made a movie with her? She was in Grey's Anatomy and she made a bunch of mediocre ass. Oh, Catherine Heigl. Yeah, Catherine Heigl. She made uh, her lows outweigh her highs, unfortunately. Well, so like, Fox. like Jamie Fox, like he made Ray, and then he made like it was like three bad movies after that. Like he randomly did Valentine's Day. He did that. Like you know, I'm a sucker for romantic comedy, and I love Valentine's Day. Yeah, so like he he had an up and down period and then found a good good in between, but like he hit it big, he got the Oscar. Like, did he win an Oscar for that? I can't remember. Did he win for Ray? Yeah. For Ray, yeah. Yeah. So he wins an Oscar. He's like the the new golden, the new golden boy, and then like he makes stealth and like a couple of other mid tier movies. Oh yeah, stealth, jarhead, Miami yeah. Vice. But people love Dream Girls. Um then he did the Kingdom. Whatever that is. Oh, it was the soloist. Where... I really like the soloist. Did you? Yeah. Well, you have fun with that. Okay. Then he, <laughs> yes. then he did Law Batting Citizen, which I think overall people thought it was a good enough movie, but it wasn't like great. Well, apparently, well, the original right was like, because Drew Butler was the bad guy in that, right? Yeah. Oh, apparently the right the original right for that film was like Gerard Butler wins and the rumor was is that Jamie Foxx kind of pitched a fit and was like no I'm the good guy I need to win and so they rewrote it you know what to be honest watching that movie and seeing the ending that feels like they rewrote it quickly like that felt just very rushed because it would have actually would have felt better if if Gerard Butler's character actually won. Like, it just felt so easy the way it ended, though. So, I totally get that. I will say, Jamie Foxx was dope in Due Date and Horrible Bosses. Horrible Bosses, he was great. Fox, he seems like he makes movies that he he just enjoys the script. Like, he just wants to be in. He's not making movies to get a huge buzz, to win an award, or even to make hell of money. He seems like he look, reads the script and is like, oh, this seems fun to make. And he just makes movies that he knows he's going to enjoy making. And then he had a really interesting role in Amazing Spider-Man. Oh, no, that was whack. We don't talk about those Spider-Man He movies. was, he didn't do a bad job. It was just such a bad movie. Well, you know what was a good movie? Baby Driver. That was good. I heard it was good. I've never seen yeah, it. You it haven't good. seen it? No. That movie was pretty good. That's a really good movie. I'm not sure about Robin Hood, but I know everybody said that it was whack. No, like, I had kind of forgotten about his decision to do that movie, which is disappointing. <laughs> but I'm sure they just threw a ton of money at him, and he was like, all right, I'm going to take it. We got a month to shoot this. Let's do it. Yeah. Like, we're all in this for the money. No one cares. Let's. Did y'all watch Project Power on Netflix with him and Joseph Gordon-Levitt? I have not heard fantastic things about that. It was I was entertained watching it. It was predictable though. I will say that. Like I knew what was going to happen but I was entertained. I didn't get mad when I finished it but I'm not going to go back and watch it a second time. It's the same way with that Will Smith movie uh, Bright. Yeah. I liked it when I watched it but I'm not going to watch it again. It's, it, it seems to be like it's sitting at like basically 50% from both critics and audience people. So it's like, well, because is it a series or a movie? I can't remember. Right, right a movie. 
Oh, to me, okay. Brad, so, it seemed like it would be great as a series, though. Well, at least a limited series with at least one season. Um, I do have a recommendation because, you know, I like some of these corny stuff that comes on. There's a new show on Netflix called um, Teenage Bounty Hunters, and it's based on just some white teenage girls that end up helping a bounty hunter, uh, Kadeem Hardison, who played in a different world back in the day, and the movie The Sixth Man with Marlon Wayans, because he was Marlon Wayans' older brother, and they played basketball for the Washington Huskies, and Kadeem Hardison dies, and he ends up being a ghost, and he helps him on the court to reach the uh, reach the Final Four. Fun fact. You're welcome. But, uh, th but this show, Teenage Bounty Hunters, I find it her uh, hella entertaining. I feel like at least one of y'all will like it. At least, I don't think Ja'Cory's going to like it, actually, because might be white people for him. Teenage Bounty Hunter? Yes. Uh, like, it looks like it's... Yeah, I might give this a go. I might give it a I swear, look, just give it a chance, man. It's an entertaining series, y'all. I, I watch a lot of stuff with white people in it. Like, I'm not... <laughs> oh, well... Well, I gotta, I gotta let you know. So, uh, I know I already told you my mom really likes Umbrella Academy. I um, love Umbrella Academy. That is my shit right there. Well, that's also on my list, but we, we told her about Always Be My Maybe. Um, <laughs> and, you know, because, like, we figured, like, of course she's gonna like this. Like, it's, like, one, who wouldn't necessarily, as a whole, like this, like, just, it's a, I think it's a delightful film. But right. she watched it, and she was Wait like... Wait a minute, hold on. Jacory, you know what we're talking about? Always Be My Maybe? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, just making sure. And she watched it, and she was like, it was great. I loved it. Keanu Reeves was hilarious, and... <laughs> And all these things, and so one of these days, man, like we eventually got to get you. You got, we got to get you down here, and you got to have like just a watch party with my mom, because <laughs> apparently you just have very similar tastes. Jacory, he always makes fun of me because me and his mama, I'll I'll text him something that I've been watching that I think is dope, and his mother also loves it. Like me and his mother have a, we have the same taste in a lot of entertainment. <laughs> I need to watch Always Be My Maybe because I hear really good things about it. Oh, you haven't watched it yet? No. Oh no, it's a very good movie. Like it's it's entertaining. It's a yeah, lot. I'm halfway through the second season of Umbrella Academy, and it's awesome. I love it. Well, the first the first couple episodes, I thought it started out kind of slow. Like I don't even know the first episodes, but there were some very slow moments in like the first probably five episodes. But I loved how the season ended overall. I enjoyed the season. Talking about the second season. Yeah. Oh. I, I thought there were some parts where it was kind of slow, but I still put it on the same level as the first season. I love both seasons, like, and I think they did a pretty good job, and I just hope they don't cancel it, because, you know, Netflix just be randomly canceling stuff. Yeah, bro, they canceled Patriot Acts. Did they? Yeah. That's crazy. Bro, they just canceled everything, man. That pisses me off, bro. That just really, that just made me mad. That was, like, the best show on Netflix. I ain't gonna say the best. I it would be surprised well, if that gets, that's got to get picked up by someone. It should. Yeah, like someone's got to pick that up. That has enough of a following. We can't hear you, like, Keegan. <laughs> that has enough of a following. God damn it. That has enough of a, that's got to get picked up by someone else. Like I had, the when that got announced, I had three people in two separate group chats mention that. And so, like. Netflix just cancels, cancels shit for no damn reason. They just got. I, they, I just don't get it. But 
I am gonna go back and watch once again. Always be my maybe because that was my shit. It was a and they had some great hip hop influences in that movie. They played some dope rap music in that. Some good '90s, early 2000s rap songs in there. So you would definitely appreciate that, Corey. And they just got really good chemistry. They do as well. It's very, it's very fun. Isn't Constance which I know, huh? Is Constance Wu in that movie? Yeah. Okay, she's fine. I love Constance Wu, bro. She is. Does that show still come on? The uh, wait a minute, is that Constance Wu? That's not Constance Wu. No, it's not. And I feel very bad for thinking that it's. No. Uh, uh, Ali Wong. Ali Wong. Ali Wong. Wait, what show are you talking about? No, it's a movie. Always be my oh, the show Constance Wu's on uh, Fresh Off the Boat. That is her show. Yeah. Yeah, but she's not on Always Be My Maybe. Oh, Always Be My Maybe is Ali Wong. And now I, and now I feel like a white person that confuses black people all the time. Oh, I thought I thought they were both in the movie. I didn't confuse them with each other. No, they're not both in the movie. I definitely did just confuse them with each other, though, and I apologize, people. <laughs> My bad. But no, you like the movie. Keegan, we can't fucking hear you. I don't know. Whatever. Fine. We we need to wrap this up. So this. But listen, bro. He got his finger over the microphone or something. I do. I don't know what's going on. Give me a break. So you know what? I had a great time. Doing this. No, hey, hold on. You don't end my podcast. I end the podcast, motherfucker. Um, and we always end it this way. Um, you have a word of the day, something inspirational to say to the folks, Jacory and Keegan. Something to drop for the culture, a gym, something. I guess you guys don't have anything possible. To say. I mean, like, just well, even if Keegan says uh, it, we won't be able to hear him. Hey, 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 hey. Oh, hold on, we can hear him. So let Keegan talk. We can hear him now. All right. Well, I don't have necessarily a or fuck, fuck. I'm waiting for this. Like, why can't it like show up? Fuck is his word, y'all. <laughs> can you hear me now? Can you hear me? I see. The- we can hear you enough. Okay. So, I mean, it's not so much like a word or a quote, but I definitely think that what the NBA is doing right now with like this. They, they're calling it a boycott, and frankly, I think we can go beyond the boycott. This is a goddamn strike. I mean, hold on. So did Milwaukee end up not coming out? Yeah. They postponed all the games. Yeah, like it's a. Oh it's damn. A, it is a full blown. It's a strike at this point, and I think this is going to be a truly historic moment. Also, the and they w- said Kenny Smith walked off the set yep. of inside the NBA as yep. well. So, the WNBA has also shown great leadership in this because they're part of this too. And Naomi Osaka just said that she's not playing her um, big match that she had coming up. So just wanted to shout out the women too. Yeah. Oh, so they out here doing anything? That shows you I ain't been wa- I ain't watched TV or been on the internet in almost all day. So that's crazy. What well, is happening right now? So as y'all were talking about sports, I looked it up. Oh, definitely something to pay attention to because this is it's pretty damn historic. Like what's going on right now? Like. The fact that they had the Milwaukee Buck players come out and issue a statement, and you've got all these players tweeting about it to where, like, and apparently the rumor is now, like, all these, the owners were like, this is surprising, because they fully expected them to play, even though there were rumblings of a boycott, and or, like, all these things, so I'm, like, I'm, I'm stressing to think of something that's comparable to this, but even given the circumstances, like, these NBA players leveraging their power as a collective union of workers is pretty damn good and 
it needs to be like like in, we need to pay attention to this and we need to look at it because it needs to be done so yeah shout out to them i appreciate what they're doing like we're all kind of sitting here trying to figure out how can we contribute to the culture and the movement not all of us have a way to do anything and there's a lot of people on twitter talking about what's the purpose of them sitting out what is this going to accomplish and obviously it's accomplishing something because you're all talking about it and now you're putting a spotlight on them and so i think it's dope because almost after every game they're all just bringing up stuff going on right now and they'll say yeah the game is good but what about this what about that which i appreciate and it's dope we can only we can't do everything, but we can do something with whatever voice or platform we have. So no matter how small it is, we can do something. And maybe it's not always a tweet or a Facebook status or being able to sit out a game, but maybe sometimes we can give one of our friends some money who's a teacher and help them pay for school supplies for kids or whatever. We can do something. Um, I think that's a great way to end the podcast. Um, basically, we can do some shout out to Jacory, Doctor Doctor Jacory, and uh, Hipster Keegan for stopping by to another. Okay, getting getting a PhD is really hard, y'all. Don't do it. And that's another word we're gonna end this on. Getting a PhD is really hard, y'all. Don't do it. In the words of Jacory, um, shout out to everybody. Thank y'all for tuning in. Thank y'all for popping up, and we'll do this again soon. Um, I love you guys, and y'all stay blessed. Peace out. Bye. Bye.